I want to begin at chapter 1, and I want you to look at verse 16 with me today. This is one of the first scriptures that I memorized as, as a young, young boy, a young man, and, and uh, one of the first verses that just really took hold in my heart and life. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. I love this verse because I want to live that verse. I don't want to ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it transformed my heart and my life and I've seen hundreds if not thousands of people through my life that their lives were transformed and changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about what Paul endured. The shipwreck, the imprisonment, the beatings, everything that he went through and yet he never stepped back from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he never was ashamed of it. And church, we need to have that heart. We need to have that position. Lord, I am not going to be ashamed. Because we live in a culture, we live in a time when the, people will say, well, if you're a Christian, that's okay. You just, you just keep it to yourself. Don't push that on me. And I don't want to push it on them. I want them to see Jesus in me and I want them to say, whatever you've got, I want it. I want to be a church that says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. There's no other book like the Bible. If you study the history, you will find that this book is greater in every way than anything that's ever been written because it was, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote what God gave them. It's live. It's power. Amen? I, and it doesn't matter if it's on your iPhone or your iPad, your computer, or if you're old-fashioned and you have the, the, the real thing, I like to call it. But it's still the Word of God. Amen? And we're not going to be ashamed of the Word of God because the Word of God will transform hearts and lives. It is the power of God unto salvation. The word here for salvation in the Greek and also the Hebrew word for salvation both contain the idea of safety, deliverance, God delivers us from the bondage and the things that are in our hearts and lives that try to hold us back from being all that God's called us to be. God is still a deliverer. It also carries the idea of preservation. It's God who gives us every breath, the strength for another day. He protects us. And it also contains the idea of healing. I want you to think about that. When you need healing, do you run to the doctor? And I thank God for doctors. I believe they're, they're blessed. They're a blessing to us. I thank God for nurses. 
But church, what is your first response? Do you run to the medicine cabinet or do you turn to God and say, God, you paid the price for my healing. I will ask you to bring healing to my body. The idea also of the word in Hebrew and Greek for salvation is soundness, wholeness. That's God's heart for us. Amen? But as we look at this passage, I want us to think about living by faith. Because every Christian should be living by faith. There was an old song years ago when I was growing up and then later when, when I first uh, began pastoring and sometimes I would be leading worship like Mitch does. And there was an old song that I loved to sing called Living by Faith. And it's true today. Amen? It's true today. When we say or use that phrase, living by faith, sometimes we'll immediately think about missionaries or pastors, evangelists that, that we support, that they can go various places in the world. Their support comes from family and friends and churches that feel that God's called them to this mission and we're going to support them in every way. We support many mission, missionaries in our church. Every month we'll send them a, a little bit of money to help them. And there's other churches and between all the churches gathered together and all the individuals that, that support them, they're able to go and minister in Jesus' name. But living by faith, you also hear some people just say, I'm living by faith. And actually, they're just saying, I'm too lazy to get a job. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go there. But I want us to look at living by faith, and I want us to focus on the living of this, this, this term, living by faith. Because it is a life dynamic that counters the death syndrome that we face in this world. We face death every day in this world. There, there's a spirit of this world that is trying to bring death into every area of our lives, into our marriages. He wants to bring divisions. He, into our workplace, he wants to bring division and tear apart and destroy. He doesn't want us to be fruitful. So there, there's a, a spiritual aspect that's coming against us from the enemy all the time, and it's it's a spirit of death, but Christ is in us. We're living by faith. We're tapped into heaven. Amen? And wherever we go, heaven happens through us. Amen? We're not concerned about the death that's in this world that tries to come against us because we bring the life of Jesus Christ. So when someone's struggling in their marriage or physically or in any way, the enemy's coming against them, we're ready to pray and we're going to pray and believe that God's going to bring life that's going to push out the death, going to remove the death. And ultimately, we know, I'm talking too fast. Ultimately, we know, church, that death is not going to rule and reign over us. It is appointed unto man once to die, the Scripture says. But if we know the Lord, we're instantly taken into His presence. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Amen? So death will never win. 
Death will never win. And the just are living. We're living by faith. Amen. Every day we need to live life to its fullest. To allow God to use us to minister to those that we encounter. And that we can bring the life of Jesus into the circumstances. Whether there are circumstances or the circumstances of someone else. But we can bring heaven because we're tapped into the Lord. Amen. And heaven happens around us. I love that. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, Scripture says, And you, he's talking about all of us, he, Jesus, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Every one of us has failed. Every one of us has been spiritually dead in our sins, in our transgressions. But the moment that we came to Jesus with a repentant heart, and we said, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I'm turning from my sin. I'm turning to you. Lord, help me to live for you. When that takes place in our lives, we are no longer dead in our trespasses and sins, but we are alive in Christ. Amen? And we're going to live for eternity. This verse goes on and says, We were dead in trespasses and sins in which... You once walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. There was a time when every one of us was a child of disobedience. And the picture here is the influence of the devil, the prince of the power of the air. That's a, a term he's using here for Satan. There was a time when we don't know Christ, that Satan influences our lives, he manipulates us, and he tries to see our lives destroyed. And that's what Paul's talking about here. It's like we're a puppet on a string, that he influences us, that he has a hold in our life. But when we come to Christ, Jesus sets us free. Is there anybody free in here today? Amen. The freedom comes from Jesus. It's Jesus that brings us freedom. The verse goes on in verse 3 and says, Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But I love verse 4. It says, but God. <laughs> Don't you love that? But God. In other words, this isn't the end of the story. God has intervened in the life of mankind. He has made a way for freedom and, and Jesus to escape the, the plans of the enemy. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad God's rich in mercy today? Because of his great love with which he loved us. Church, never forget that you are loved. God loves you. Sometimes the enemy whispers in our ear, you've done this, you've done that, you've failed. God could never love you. And that is a lie from the enemy. God declares in his word, we just read it, he loves us even when we were in our spiritual death, even when we were in our sin and transgressions. And sin is missing the mark of God's best for your life. The verse continues. 
In, ver- or in this passage, in verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, talking about he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You can't earn your salvation. I can't earn my salvation. We can't do enough good things. We can't work enough in the church or or ministering. Our salvation doesn't come that way. It only comes when we repent with a genuine heart and say, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I turn from the things of the world. Jesus, come into my heart. Life. Notice again in Romans chapter 1 verse 6. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Church, you can experience the power of God. And the more power of God that you desire, you seek God, you pray, you fast, you welcome God's power into your life, you just continue to, to say exactly what John said, Lord, help, Lord, increase in me and help me to decrease. God wants you to live in power. He wants you to live in victory. It's not something that we just dream about or hope for or say some way I hope it's going to happen. We know without any doubt that the just live by faith. And and church, in this passage, I don't see that, that statement of just, the just live by faith as a command as much as I see a promise. Because I can't do it on my own. It's got to be Christ in me. Amen. The just shall live by faith. So receive that. Don't, don't, don't take that as, as Pastor Milt's just coming down and saying, you're not living right and good enough. You know I love you. What I'm saying is you're justified by the blood of Jesus. His sacrifice on the cross and what he did for us. And church, you have the privilege to allow heaven to work in your life and through your life. And that's the just living by faith. It's a promise. How many receive that promise today? Amen. Amen. The just are those who were unrighteous but been forgiven. I I love the word, and you hear it all the time if you've been at Summit very long. Anytime I come across this in Scripture, I always point this out. The word that's used in the original language for just means you're declared innocent, like in a court of law, when the judge brings the gavel down and he says you're innocent as if you have never sinned. I love that. I never get tired of that. That's God's grace and mercy and love being poured out in our lives. When we stand before the Lord one day, He's not going to see your record of failures. He's not going to see my record of failures. He's going to see us with the record of Jesus, the sinlessness of our Savior. Amen? And that's what the world needs to know today, that there's a God that loves them. Our state needs to know there's a God that loves them, a God that will transform their lives, a God that will deliver them from any life-controlling issue, a God that wants them to tap into heaven and have heaven happen through their life wherever they are.
Paul in this passage has a conviction that Jesus Christ is real. Not that he was real in the sense of just being a man, but real in the sense of being the Savior, the Messiah. So many people today, when they talk about Jesus, some of them say, oh, I don't even think he existed. Well, they're not studying history. There's, he's, his story is in ancient history books like Josephus. But Paul is coming to the understanding, not that he was just a man or a prophet or a teacher. He has come to the decision that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. That He was the Messiah that Israel was waiting for. Amen? And He surrenders His life to Him. I love that. Verse 2 says, which he prophesied before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So Paul's saying he is the Messiah, the Messiah that for thousands of years men of God were prophesying, saying that God of, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was going to one day bring through the, the lineage of David, he's going to bring the Messiah, the promised Messiah. I love that. He's saying, I'm convicted of the truth of Scripture and the truth of Jesus. Today, we live in a culture where so many times people are saying, well, you can have your truth and I'll have mine. Truth is truth. Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by Him. You say, well, that's narrow-minded. No, that's Jesus. Those are his words, not mine. Amen? So I want to tell everybody who, that I can, everybody that I meet, I pray that everyone that I ever encounter sees enough of Jesus in me that they want to know him themselves. That's what Paul's talking about. Third, Paul was convicted that indeed the resurrection of Jesus was real. Verses 3 through 4. Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus told in his teachings that he was going to die. Die for our sins, the sins of humanity throughout the ages. But it didn't stop there. He said, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. The resurrection is proof that Jesus did die for our sins, and that he was sinless, that he paid the price for every sin that we've committed. Amen? Every sin. And it's proof that he is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is Lord of all. Jesus proved that he was who he said he was. Paul recognized that. And he came experiencing God's power in his own life. I think most of us remember the story of Paul and his transformation on the road of Damascus. 
He sees this bright light that blinds him and Jesus speaks to him. He had an encounter with the Lord. And that is my prayer, church. For our young people growing up, for our children downstairs today, for every adult. I pray that we would have such an encounter with God that we would never ever be able to doubt our faith or doubt what God's done in our lives or in any way when the enemy comes to tempt us or lie to us or put us down. There's no way that we we begin to think, well, maybe Jesus isn't God. Maybe my sins aren't forgiven. I pray for an encounter. I had an encounter like that. No, I didn't see a bright light. No, I wasn't knocked down to the ground. But I had such a presence of God that I knew that Jesus loved me. And as a young boy, about eight years old, I was in the back of my dad's car. And I'd grown up in church. But it was that night that Jesus became real in my life. It was that night He became Lord of all to me. And since that day, I have never ever doubted it. And I've never ever been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because He transformed my heart and my life. And I was never the same. Thank you, Jesus. In this passage, in verse 16, original verse, Paul says, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And I want want to clarify that. It's not saying that God preferred the Jews. He chose them in His grace. If you read in the Old Testament, it's very clear. They didn't earn it. It wasn't because they were the greatest people or had the most wisdom. But He chose them for His plan and His purpose. And so it's not saying that God is doing away with the Jews and now He's going to focus on the Gentiles. Or it's not saying just the Jews and then maybe the Gentiles. It's God saying, I am all-inclusive. And the word there for, for Gentiles or the Greek here is actually, when it says to the Greek, That was the language of the world at that time. That was the trading language where everyone was able to communicate and trade. And so it is saying, yes, I chose the Jews, but it's not just for them. It's for the whole world. Aren't you thankful for that tonight or today? Amen? Oh, three or four of you. You know what? I went home last night after the the Save America rally and my prayer was God let there be the excitement that that I saw in this rally in your church those people were excited they were jumping up and down and you know, waving signs and all kinds of supporting their candidates and President Trump. They were excited. I pray that our church becomes so excited at what God's done in their hearts and lives that when we come into this place, we'll be sitting on the edge of our seat. We'll be welcoming God's presence and power. We'll be, we'll be saying to ourselves, I wonder what God's going to do today. I wonder who's going to get saved. I wonder who's going to get healed. I wonder who's going to be delivered. And we welcome the presence of God. 
And I'm not talking about some superficial excitement. I'm talking about you understand you're tapped into heaven and the heaven happens around you and the presence of the living God is in your life and we welcome Him. We've dedicated this building to the Lord. This is a place where we worship Him. And so when we come in here, we, it's, we expect it. You know, it, it was a great honor for me to get to shake President Trump's hand yesterday and, and have my picture taken with him. And I thought all the people in the world that haven't had that opportunity, and God gave me that opportunity, and I thanked him for it. But it's nothing compared to the excitement that I get in my heart when God moves in our church. Amen. Amen. In verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Listen to this. Who suppress the truth in righteousness. It's saying that God gets ticked off about people who've encountered Him but then suppress the truth. I don't ever want to suppress the truth. Even if my life depended upon it, even if I was lined up and there was a firing squad and they said, recount Jesus. Renounce Him. Or we're going to shoot you. I want to be like Paul and say, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. Church, we're living in a time when the world needs Jesus. And we're the light on the hill. In the next verse, or back verse, in Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's more than just learning the Bible. It's more than just reading it. It's, it's allowing the Word of God to come in and transform your life. Life flows out of His Word. Amen? Also, when, you've, when you're not sure what to think, God's Word tells us what to pray. It tells us what to think, what to do. God will guide and direct us. Secondly, when you wish for a way out, a way when, when God's Word explains the way out. We're looking for a way out, but the only answer isn't in our intellect. It's not in what we can do. It's in the Word of God. God will address in His Word any question you have. Anything you face, anything of difficulty, God will answer you. He will show you. And thirdly, and I'm going to close with this. When you face a dead-end street, God's Word declares, He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Are, 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 do you believe that? Where there seems to be no way, God makes a way. Amen? And I'm going to ask Pat. Pat, would you come up here? She has a testimony this morning that goes right along with the last point that I made. Where there seems to be no way, God makes a way. Amen, amen. Um, I come here, 
I think I can get through this without crying, but I just want to give you a praise report. As many of you know, I'm mother of April Foster, April and Jerry Foster of Breaking Chains. Um, three years ago, <clears throat> we almost lost Jerry um, through some heart problems, and they were in Belgium, and they called all their daughters home and said, if you want to see him alive, you better get here. Well, the Lord healed him. He was able two months later to go from Belgium to um, Missouri to marry his youngest daughter. There's been a few health issues since then. <laughs> but they were down in Missouri, <clears throat> down at the Assembly of God there and <clears throat> at their daughter's house. And um, Abel had had COVID last year. She got COVID again this year. And <clears throat> then all the kids got COVID. Well, Jerry got COVID at this time, but it wasn't the normal COVID that everybody had. His stomach was just horrible. He couldn't get up, he couldn't eat, he couldn't do anything for four days. So they got him into the hospital and found out that he, um, oh, mind you, <laughs> when they left Missouri, I mean, when they were in Missouri, they were supposed to leave that day to drive all the way from Missouri to North Carolina. So anyway, he ended up in the hospital with a stomach infection. Well, it wasn't, he had this stomach infection. But what they found was that his heart was quitting, absolutely shutting down. So they got him into an emergency um, pacemaker. And um, they found out that his heart was shutting down, I mean, several minutes several times a day. Praise the Lord. They got a doctor who was able to go in and put in a permanent pacemaker. He had septus from being in the hospital with the stomach infection. And praise the Lord, um, he was released from the hospital a couple days ago. If you think maybe your plans aren't going the way that you think that they are, Lord may have something going in there for you. Because they couldn't go to New Hampshire, North Carolina. Then they were going to drive over to um, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But because he was, they didn't know what was wrong with him in the hospital, and they couldn't get that under control, they didn't drive all the way across. Instead, they was in the hospital where the Lord could reveal to the doctors that he needed a pacemaker. I just wanted to give the praise report. I'm not the speaker, April is. She goes all around doing that. I want to thank all of you. I want to thank Pastor and everyone for praying for April, April and Jerry, and praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. When we live by faith, we're living connected to the Lord, connected to heaven. And when we come together and we pray, God answers prayer. God made a way where there seemed to be no way in Jerry's life in a powerful way. I want you to stand with me and worship team, would you come? I want you to remember today... Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting with you next time. And don't forget, you can support us by giving through the Church Center app 
or by going online at summitwc.com give.